Hey out there, this is Kev from Five Fins. Uh, I want to wish all our listeners a happy new year. I'm guessing you had one if you watched the show that happened last night or you had the good fortune to be there. Um, <laughs> all right, so here's the deal. Way back in like July or something like that, Dan and I uh, agreed to do the Game Hoist show the 1994 show where they do game henge in set one and hoist in set two. You, you're familiar with it probably. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but something, something happened last night at, at MSG for new year's, uh, <laughs> fish performed game henge for the first time since 1994. Um, so a couple of things here. The first thing is that in order to try to bank some episodes so that we put out one episode a month and don't go like, you know, I don't know, whatever is five or six uh, months without one, we uh, decided to do this where we were going to do an episode that was just focused on the Game Henge tape, the actual original thesis tape, and then do a uh, hoist segment where we talked about hoist, uh, the album, and then that was going to be an episode, and then we do the game hoist uh show as all one episode but um you know in light of recent events i kind of made a game time call here i'm like i don't think we can just put these out in february i think now might be the time so um here's the deal so what you're about to hear is the segment dan and i recorded on december 23rd of yes that's how long it took we st- we decided it in july it only took until december 23rd to get around to it we're not the most industrious podcasters of all time you know i'll admit that um so what you're about to hear is the uh is is dan and i on december 23rd talking about the game hinge tape and i mean you know if uh if there was ever a good time for it i guess it's now and one of the interesting details is that we did a little game called is this a game hinge song and in the game, it was me reading the Wikipedia entry for like other game hen tracks. And then, you know, do you, yeah, your nay, is this a game hen song? And uh, I just got to say that it, uh, that actually aged pretty well. We included a lot of things that, <laughs> that got put in last night. And um, there's some that we we made, Harpua, I guess we said no. And that, that was a definite yes. But um, I'll let you listen to the episode. And then when Dan comes back from New York, uh, where he saw the first two nights of the run, uh, we are going to have a podcast. We're going to talk about the entire Game Hoist show, um, and I will air the Hoist segment we did, introducing the album Hoist. Uh, and yeah, I think that this is the best way to go about it. I was like, we can't wait a whole month for this. So sorry about the bad, even by our standards, uh, podcast editing. But uh, you know, it, 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 tonight's the night. This is this is the time to do it. So. What you're about to hear is Dan and I talking about Trey Anastasio's senior thesis, The Man Who Stepped Into Yesterday Tape. We are not talking about the show that happened last night, and we're not talking about Game Hoist, which will happen on the next episode, as well as us full-on freaking out about the New Year's thing and everything that happened. But I figured, you know, I've got it in the can. Here we go. So what you're about to hear is this is Dan and I on December 23rd talking about the Game Henge Tape. Happy New Year to all our Five Fins listeners, and here we go. <laughs> Welcome back to Five Fins. 
We haven't recorded in so long. You know, it's so funny. I didn't tell you this before. Um, I was, I hadn't done this in so long too, but I went on Live Fish Radio, you know, on the oh. app. Yeah. Uh, where you can click the button and it gives you, I was just like, yeah, I wonder what, you know. So I flipped it on and it started, it was good. Yeah. And it started playing this jam, this golden age jam. And I was like, this is, this is great. This is a really good golden age jam. I'm listening a little more and I'm like, hey, when's this from? And I click, they have a button like go to show, you know, when it happened. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's, uh, fall 18. Of course it's, it's good. Yep. Then I look yep. at the set list and I'm like, wait a second. I know this show. <laughs> and then it was, I looked at the date and it was 10, 26, 2018. And I'm like, wait, didn't we do an episode about that? <laughs> and then I looked it up and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the one we did the beginning of last year. And I was like, or what will be last year when this goes up. And I'm like, oh man, I was like, <laughs> it was, I just felt like my, that's like the way my brain, like the first reaction, I'm like, in this golden age jam kind of bops. And then I'm like, wait a second, didn't, haven't we, haven't I heard this before? <laughs> we've literally we yeah you did kev you and your friend recorded a three-hour-long podcast my my first reaction when i hear a golden age jam is to go uh silent third podcaster mike can i have one of those joints that i rolled earlier (laughs) excuse me candy uh, candy cigarettes yeah like um tootsie rolls you roll yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 when you said joint, I knew what you meant. We, we like know, the you, joint, we like um, you know candy. the turkey, the turkey joints that they have. They're like the chocolate, <laughs> crunchy bone things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> those was turkey joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> I roll them myself. <laughs> That's how you have to. You got to roll them. You, you can't trust anybody yeah, else. Yeah, it's just so it's better than store bought. You know, and the store bought <laughs> ones that they're, they're just more money. You know, you yeah. they, you only get it's a certain amount. It's always a specific. It's like a half gram of turkey filling or a gram of turkey filling it's never you know like two and a half grams of turkey filling or something and i, I like a lot of turkey in my <clears throat> turkey joint yeah who doesn't you know um <laughs> we are here today to talk about fish <laughs> and uh there's just no there's no getting around it um <laughs> no we are here to talk about uh one of the most important uh things in fish history i don't think that that's that's not hyperbole right i don't think it is Uh, we're going to eventually cover the june 26 1994 show and so let's start by talking about that a tiny bit um that show is known as game hoist and uh the reason it's known as Game Hoist is because the first set is Gamehenge and the second set is the Fish Album Hoist uh, that had just recently come out. So in order to kind of prepare this show, I figured that the best way to do it would be to do these segments about each thing. So I had uh, you listen to the original Game Hinge tape and mm-hmm. the album Hoist mm-hmm. and then obviously the show, which we did the, the normal way. Um, you know, even though it's an abnormal show. Um, so to get into Gamehenge, you know, there's a lot to get into to here. Um, but I will quote Wikipedia as all seasoned podcasters do. The Man Who Stepped Into Yesterday is a 1987 concept album written by Trey Anastasio, the guitarist and lead vocalist. Is that true? I guess I mean, he's kind of a co-lead vocalist, but well, of yeah. the band Fish, his senior thesis while attending Goddard College. Um, so that is technically what this is. It is Trey's senior thesis 
this thesis that you're writing is a load of shit, but we're certainly glad that he finished it because <laughs> this is... Because he's um, got a degree. He got a degree. <laughs> um, and, you know, to, to, to go into this, I mean, the, the thesis itself is... Um, I mean, to just give a brief synopsis for whatever people who wouldn't know this at this point <laughs> listening to this podcast, but they, uh, uh, the members of Fish... Um, so that would be Trey, that would be Mike, that would be John Arms, Fishman. Legs went <laughs> went to the University of Vermont, and um, Mike is the only person who actually graduated from the University of Vermont. <laughs> Both Trey and Fishman <laughs> transferred to Goddard College. Um, they had uh, Paige was uh, attending Goddard College, and they uh, went and finished college with him. Um, and their, you know, their end of, you know, college task was this de- senior thesis, which obviously with Goddard College, the rules were loose enough that you could turn in this <laughs> this project, which is like a, uh, you know, progressive rock concept album comp- uh, paired with an essay. And, uh, you know, <laughs> this is, uh, I, I, you know, Goddard doesn't exist as a university anymore. I'm, I mean, I'm I can sure only laugh. Colleges. I can only, yeah, I can only laugh so much. My senior thesis was about dancing in Latin America. So, you know. <laughs> I was like trying to remember and I don't even know if my major had like an actual thesis. Like there was a lot of like final like papers and stuff, but I don't really even know. I probably did something that's very regrettable and stupid and it's not nearly <laughs> as cool. No one's going to be doing a podcast about whatever it is I did. This, that many At least not yet. Years. No. Welcome yeah, we'll to see. another episode of what Co- what Kev did for his senior thesis in college. <laughs> Today we're going over what it'll we be know. An, it, Absolutely it'll be, yeah, it'll be a ten part ten see part next like, investigative documentary yeah. series. Like uh, you know, they would like serial. That'll be the right. season of serial. We'll be welcome tracking down. To an, welcome to another episode <laughs> of what did Kev do in college? I'm your host, Terry Gross. <laughs> Yeah, we're get, we're just dropping that idea on the ground. For I'm free, Phoebe Judge. You know? I mean, from Criminal. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't get there. Let's hope it doesn't <laughs> go there. Um, so yeah, so so okay. So the story of this is that it is you know, it is itself um, a tape, a physical like tape that existed that obviously is, uh, and by the way, like is very available online. If you go to you know your local YouTube establishment and type in all the right things it 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 pops right up it's really not that hard to get um and you know i i wanted to ask you outright when when was the uh when was the last time you think you heard the game hinge date prior to listening to it mm. for this podcast <laughs> um probably would have been the last time that you told me to listen to it <clears throat> um <laughs> years probably a decade at least it had been a very long time. It's not something that I seek out for my everyday listening, you know? Right. Yeah, and uh, but uh, it's funny because I was the same thing. I I, had, I think I had like, a, I had a moment like a couple years ago. Like, I mean, I'm saying a couple, like probably like, uh, you know, like three or four years ago where I was thinking, well, I haven't heard that in so long and I listened to it. Um yeah, it's uh, yeah, same. It's not like something that I compared to old shows, even or you know, obviously shows you bent and should have been to, but like even old 
fish shows that I'll just randomly be like, yeah, this 1991 set list looks kind of fire. Like maybe I'll just <laughs> toss that bad boy on. Like it's not that kind of thing. So you kind of have to make a appointment to do it. I got to say, I'm glad I did though. Um, it's, it's extremely interesting to listen to. I think, uh, what was your, uh, overall impressions of the, uh, the, the, the quality of the tape? Um, it definitely gave me the impression of a tape made by <clears throat> an amateur musician in college for sure. Yeah. Uh, on a four track or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. Pretty scratchy, but for what they were working with, you know, that's pretty advanced good, in, right? in a lot of ways. Like, you know, it's yeah. not easy, especially with the equipment that they had then to do what they were doing. So it's, it was, it simultaneously is a trudge, but also very impressive. Yeah. I think I agree with that. I, I actually find it, um, it's funny because I think I find it more interesting uh, now even than maybe when I was first discovering it because when I was first discovering it, like everything about fish was new, you know? So like this was just one of those things where you listen to and you're like, oh, this is likely hearing like a, like the secret code of what all this means. But then going back to it now, I'm almost listening to it more like as an actual tape, um, you know, as if it were an audience tape or something. And I, I appreciate it in a different way. I did quality was better than I remembered, um, which is not saying a lot because I, I think I remembered it as being pretty bad, but uh, like quality, like tape quality wise, but uh, it's uh, the version you can get out there is pretty, uh, you know, pretty good. And, you know, you can hear everything. It's not like high fidelity audio, but you can, you can hear the instruments and what's going on. So it's, you know, yeah, for like a dude recording this in college just to like graduate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we just got to get, <laughs> get this thing out of here so i can get out of college like it's uh it's pretty good you know um in terms i would say like it's 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 not bad especially considering like late 80s like home recording technology it's pretty good um he clearly like you know him and tom marshall had like made these recordings and stuff he had some experience in that um so uh the the tape itself is obviously it's the entire story of game hands we're gonna walk through that pretty quickly but just to give the overview of the songs we have the songs that are on the tape the tape itself the the man who stepped into yesterday which by the way i wanted to bring up so the man who stepped into yesterday is the name of the of the tape um i had never really put a lot of thought into that title before um and it's kind of interesting in a way that he chose the word yesterday because you could have called it it's not like the man who stepped into game henge you know or like the man who stepped into the future or the man who stepped it's like he chose yesterday, and when we get into the themes and ideas about what he's trying to get to here, I think that's an interesting choice that he said yesterday. I think he's trying to indicate something with that. Um, this is just the beginning of me reading way too much into this thing. He probably just banged out as a college thesis. But um, so the the songs that are actually on the tape, um, of course, there uh, there's narration between them to explain the story. But the songs that are on it are the Lizards, Tila, Wilson, ACDC Bag. Colonel Forbin's Ascent, Fly Famous Mockingbird, The Sloth, and Possum. Those are the ones that are actually on the physical tape itself. Um, yeah, we can we can get into, when we get into the show, I'll bring up sort of more of like the live statistics with all of that stuff, but those are the ones that are on, on the tape. And um, it's also worth mentioning that, so the interstitial music in the background is a combination of the song, The Man Who Stepped Into Yesterday, which is live paired with Alvina Mulcano a lot, or always, I guess. Um, and 
Esther, the the music that was listed uh, lifted directly out of this tape and put into the song Esther, uh, that f- like what fans call the flying the flying jam uh, is is part of that is part of the game hinge thing. So those songs are definitely like they're part of it, but they're technically not the way that they would play them live. Um, I mean, the man who stepped into yesterday is what he uses as kind of the bed for talking over things. They also use Wilson occasionally. Uh, while he's while he's narrating i'd like to play a game with you dan would you like to play a game really quick you want to play a little game <laughs> you want to play a little game hinge game um you want so to play a little game hinge. on on the wikipedia entry itself there oh. are there's the songs we've already listed uh that are actually on the tape and then there is the um it is there's another section labeled other game hinge songs Oh, so I'm going to list a song, and I want you to tell me whether or not you personally consider it part of Game Hinge. All right, that's okay. the game. Okay, number one, Divided Sky. Yes. Yeah, I think I'm a begrudging yes on this as well. Uh, the thing it lists there is, is a chant performed by the lizards that they stand at the edge of a rhombus and shout to the right. sky. That <laughs> is list. That is something that Trey brings up in the Game Hoist show itself when we get to that. Right. Which I is think what it's I'm a yes for answer off of. Right. Yeah, I'd say it counts. I mean, it's um I'm a little on the fence because I think you can always like shoehorn in like a a, a song that basically has no words or has two words, I guess. Or by this guy the wind blows high. Um but, you know, because he tied it in so often and would occasionally bring up like um there were times when uh you know, Game Hench was performed, wasn't actually performed, but would he would just do the chant, the like, um, he would say something about like the rhombus. There'd be a th- thing called rhombus narration and then would go into Divided Sky. So he's definitely tied that in his mind. I think that that, that counts. Okay, number two is Llama. Llama. Does Llama count? Mm. I mean, it mentions the Turquoise Mountains. So. Messenger Bird in Sight. Yes. Mm hmm. I say yes. The llama's a definite yes for me. Um, it's uh, it takes place in the same land. They often did it at the the shows themselves. Uh, so you know the performances of uh, of Gamehenge Live. I think yeah. I think llama's important in this. In this, I, I I would say it counts. I think it's like I think it's like a, it takes place later on. Um, all right, McGrupp and the Watchful Hostmasters. Does that count as a Game Hinge song? Uh, I feel like that one definitely counts, right? Is that not? Totally, totally agree. Yeah. The fact that it's not on the tape is crazy. I mean, right. it's 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 the thing that kind of started the whole uh, thing. And when we get to the actual story, there's a lot of like story elements of the Game Hinge thing in that song. And it was like a poem written by Marshall that tr- he mailed to Trey and Trey just loved. Uh, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, I think like Never he said, like he nailed it to his door or something. So like he was always <laughs> looking at like those lyrics, and he just loved it. And yeah, originally like that that song began its life as uh, Skippy the Wonder Mouse, which was like a song he tri- <laughs> he wrote with his mom, um, who's a children's songwriter. For people who don't know, Dinah Anastasia. Uh, I yeah, that one one hundred percent counts to me. I think that's that 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 totally counts. Okay, punch you in the eye. Is that a game hinge song? Yeah, this is Wilson. It takes place in Game Hinge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say yes. I think yeah. we're, I think so far we're all yes. I'm, I'm a little, on an, on, I'm a little undivided yeah. an, sky. Like I'm like half, I'm a half 
Yeah, not half in, half out. All right. Are you divided? Punch you in the eye, word. I'm divided on divided guy. All right, Iculus. Iculus. <laughs> um, Iculus, Iculus. Yeah, yeah, gotta be. I mean, the thing about Iculus is that, like, the narration that they do with the song very infrequently necessarily references Game Henge directly, but it's about the Helping Friendly book, which is Game Henge, so... And Iculus obviously is in Game Hedge as well. So I'm going to go ahead and say yes again. I agree. I think Iculus is part of it. I mean, Iculus is a huge character in the story, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. Harpua is the next one listed here. And here's what it says. Tells the story of a mean bulldog who sometimes lived in Game Hedge. However, not all Harpua narration include Game Hedge. Harpua, mm. yeah, your name. I think I'm going to say nay on Harpua. My reasoning being, it even if it takes place in Gamehenge, it is com- pretty much completely unrelated to the story. Although, I feel like there's... Isn't there one of the narrations where he mentions uh, Aaron Wolf or someone from Gamehenge in the Harpua one? Maybe not. There's there's Harpua's that are definitely take place in Gamehenge. It's, you know, it's, I mean, the one where definitely both thinking of which is the halloween 1994 <laughs> uh that takes place in game hinge um i'm also a no on harpua harpua is harpua it's a different thing it can take place in game hinge but it's not part of that i i i just think it's a little bit of a stretch to say that that's a game hinge song it's also its own thing like if you saw harpua you wouldn't be like oh i saw a game hinge song you'd be like i saw harpua you know so right. I'm going to say no on that. I'm a no vote. Okay. Axilla and Axella part two. Oh, I didn't know those were in the discussion. I'm going to say no. I don't, I'm not like them trying to think of the lyrics, but I, I, I'm saying no, unless it's Wilson who's saying, get that, stop shining that light in my face, man. But <laughs> I don't think that it is. I'm a no, too. I'm surprised these are even listed. Here's what it says. It says, number seven, Axilla, a tale of monsters, witches, and battles in old-time Gamehenge. Axilla 2, no. told years at, during peacetime in Gamehenge as the narrator reflects on the lands past turmoil. Okay, I, if there's anybody in the world who would like to include Axilla, <laughs> Axillas as part of this, it's me. And they just, those lyrics do not, are not about that. <laughs> I don't know where this, I don't know where this is coming from. I've never even heard of this as a thing. It's a no from me, Doug. I love the songs. We're going to get to Axilla Part 2 later in the podcast. Um, but yeah, I I can't even fathom that that's about Game Hunch. That just seems crazy to me. I just, I don't know. I can't see the lyrics to, to Axilla and be like, oh, this is part of a story. It's like, they're great, but it's just, you know, funny, like, random nursery rhyme-ish fish lyrics and not anything I, I think beyond that um number nine is kung kung do you count kung as part of game hinge Dan? yes i think i'm a half i'm like the same with like uh, divided sky where i'm like if game hinge didn't exist i think they'd still do this song and then not yeah pretend that's it was probably true. part of it but i'll go half i'm gonna i'm a half on that so i yeah hedging my bets but um and then it says um it says so Esther, like I mentioned that I, that's different because that's like the music, um, and I think Trace mentioned that Esther is probably from Gamehenge, <laughs> so that stuff happens in Gamehenge. Um, but it it says it, it lists Reba here, and that just that's a flat mm. no to me. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. 
okay, there you go. So I think for the most part, you know, what's interesting is that if you look at it, it's got we've got um, like for me, like the ones that are on the tape, like I never consider possum part of Gamehenge. It always seems right. like it's tacked on at the end. I mean, we can talk about it when we get to it in the actual tape. Um, there might be a little more to it than than that, but uh, yeah, I, I just I don't. Uh, yeah, that his one. End I was like it. His end was the day. Uh, I if it just seems like the tape should have McGrupp and it just doesn't. Like that would be the perfect way to end it. Um, but you know, uh, it'd be like you know, in like a musical, like whatever that at the end where they do the song that like wraps everything up. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And then we'll be friends, you know, like that kind of thing. It's like, um, yeah, that, that's, that, so I don't know. I would say like, it's funny. Like I would say llama, McGrub, punch you in the eye, Iculus, and, uh, to a degree Kung and divided sky are more game hinge than possum. And none of those songs are like on the actual team right. itself. <laughs> <laughs> so when people talk about, they're going to do a game hinge set, it's always like, yeah, but that technically that, you know, if they actually did what was on the tape, it'd be slightly different. I think than you would think, um, we should get to the tape itself. The 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 thing about this, like, so we're gonna do the Game Hoist show later, uh, and there's there's a lot of differences in the narration, the differences between the narrations between the two things. But with the tape itself, um, if we're just talking about that, so it begins with the Wilson chant, right? But That's um, the first thing you hear um. when you put it on, and then. Trey goes into this entire uh, history of Gamehenge where he's talking about how once upon a time there was a mountain that rose out of a vast green forest and in the mountains there were birds and lakes and rocks and trees and rivers. That's too many ands really for and one And it was sentence, good. But I get what he's... <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm not going to go through like every single word of this, but you get the idea. There's a land and people live in peace and harmony um, and they live in peace and harmony. They're called the lizards and they live in peace and harmony uh, because of this thing called the helping friendly book. Uh, it contained all the knowledge inherent in the universe. Uh, oh. And they, and it was, um, you know, they, they believe in this God, Iculus, who lives on top of the mountain. And I like how in the tape he brings up the whole like, uh, or at least everyone thought so for no one had ever actually seen him. Uh this is the beginnings of like how sort of weird and cynical <laughs> this <laughs> his take on the world is at this time. I mean, I know he's describing a fictional place or whatever, but you can tell that there's a lot of, at least I get this sense that there's a lot of, you know, him as a college student kind of looking at the world in this very sort of cynical, negative light. Um, but, you know, nobody ever sees Iculus, but he's in charge of, you know, he's got all the answers and, um, into the garden a serpent does come so there's a traveler who shows up named Wilson uh, he lived with the lizards for a few years uh, studying the ways doing the helping friendly book and all of that um, but then uh, then he it, left it doesn't peacefully go well. and it all and it was all great and that's all that why it's not day. an interesting story <laughs> <laughs> Wilson no he steals the helping friendly book uh, knowing that they they are dependent on it, he declares himself king, he enslaves everybody, he builds this castle and uh, this city called Prussia. And then the tape itself then goes back and says, well, but that's our story begins at a different time and it's a later time. So this tape begins with this. Uh, and so or, so you get that history of Gamehenge. Uh, 
and then enter Colonel Forbin. We've got a retired army colonel living on Long Island. <laughs> uh, as one does. Uh, as one does. Uh, shout it's, out to Randy. <laughs> yeah. Also, also presumably Randy would prefer any song on the tape than possible. <laughs> so and we, um, him and, and I agree on that. And, uh, and a sh- uh, shout out to Sergeant O'Leary, who's walking the beach uh, from <laughs> Anthony's song. Uh, I believe he was a military man as well. Oh, yeah. That's right. He probably served so, with Colonel Forbin. Yeah, probably um, neighbors. <laughs> you know, the the uh, it describes Colonel Forbin. He's shaving and all this stuff. It's it's interesting. It, the um, <laughs> I like like the weird, um, you know, overly descriptive thing going on with Trey here. He saw the tired little folds of flesh that lay in a heap beneath his eyes, just like this very very uh downtrodden guy who's never loved anybody and he's this retired army colonel i guess his only friend is his is his dog mcgrupp um and it mentions that uh he this is an interesting detail i thought he discovered the door some months back on one of his rit- ritualistic mornings with mcgrupp uh it started with a stroll with mcgrupp bounding joyously ahead of the preoccupied colonel as they reached the apex of the hill he saw it and he knew it had always been there which is interesting and felt foolish for overlooking the door. But then, so he basically he sees this thing and he's like, yeah, for months, just like, ah, I don't know. And then he decides to go for it and he steps through it and into the land of Game Edge. And that's when we get the song, The Lizards. The coolest thing about this, by the way, we're not doing, at least I'm certainly not, we're not doing like number ratings on, we're not doing fin ratings on the actual taste. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Did you actually prepare any? Nope. I told you not to, I think. Okay, good. Yep, just uh, making sure. So, so the, uh, so the lizards, um, actually pretty, pretty much the same as the version that they would end up playing live, except that toward the end where the, you know, the big rave up guitar thing happens, there's narration. And I don't know about you, but this is probably my favorite part actually of the whole tape (laughs) is, uh, hearing that because it's, it's so different from what, uh, what it is when you hear it live hearing the narration, but also cause, and I don't know if you noticed this, but some of the lyrics line up to the, to the mel- the, the rhythm of the guitar part. Defeated, he bowed his head and turned to go. Suddenly with a roar, the creature emerged before him and held the brave knight's body to the sky and the creature laid the night upon the shore and the colonel fell beside his friend in prayer that he'd survive and Rutherford brave Rutherford was alive Um, and the colonel fell beside his he'd survive and Bray Rutherford Bray Rutherford was alive like that thing like actually lines up with the da 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 and it's kind of an amazing moment I I think I forget every time I listen to this that like oh right this song is really part of a you know an actual story because as a fish fan listening to the tapes over and over again you just get used to this being like a great end of show song um, so I wanted to ask you, what did you think about, uh, this part up so far? And then, uh, listening to the tape lizards, <laughs> the tape version of lizards. Yeah. Um, I liked it. It was, uh, obviously very different from the live sound at least, but, um, 
like you said, it's it's pretty close to the version that they play live anyway. So uh, yeah, I thought it was nice. And uh, also, like you said, the uh, narration part is, I didn't catch the lining up with the notes thing, but uh, it's just interesting to hear it from such a different in such a different light yeah right it makes you like i said it makes you almost feel like it's oh right it's not i don't know like there's a difference between knowing it's a game engine song and then actually listening to the tape and going oh right this is like the beginning right. of this story you know i mean that's really i know that um trey is really uh influenced by um genesis album the lamb lies down on broadway and I, he's mentioned <laughs> that the whole there's passing through the chord <laughs> Uh, and he's mentioned that that beginning of that passing through the corridor was something that I think he got from something in that, that, uh, you know, that it's like having songs start with an action, you know, passing through the corridor. Like he was, he, right. that's something he picked up on in Genesis lyrics that he was like, I want to start with that. So, you know, again, it's like, they're not, they're really not a jam band, <laughs> you know, uh, in 1987, I guess we didn't even really mention like fish is the backing band on this tape. Uh, cause obviously they were his band at the time and he was like, can you do this for me? It's, I, I, I think it's really great. I, re- that's, I, I think the, that end part of the lizards when Rutherford is, uh, alive. Um, and I guess I didn't mention what happens, which is that he jumps into the water. <laughs> he meets Rutherford the brave, who is this knight fighting for revolution, but he jumps into the water with his armor on, sinks to the bottom, but then the unit monster shows up and saves him. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, there's a pretty short narration part after that where he basically, um, you know, him and the unit, Forbin and Unimonster are hanging out and then um, Tila shows up on a multi-beast and he sees her and it was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen after 52 years of undaunted bachelorhood. <laughs> the colonel felt a <laughs> feeling rush over. I love that undaunted. Uh, rush over him as he had never felt before and then launch right into Tila. Uh, I'm interested to talk to you about Tila. Uh, so this is a huge difference from the uh, version that we we normally hear. So the chorus is totally different. It's much. It's got this kind of militant drum beat from Fishman, uh, and also this. There's this whole weird uh, jazzy piano breakdown thing that happens that they ended up cutting out of the subsequent live versions. interesting like um <laughs> you know the, uh, like uh exposition about her as a character that is in that um there's little breakdowns teal was born in a vulgar crooked hut in the shadow of wilson's castle venomous scorn from a life of bitter toil in the shadow of wilson's castle glorious steam fueled by her hatred it grew swelling to a point where it would burst at the seams there was nothing she could do there's a little bit uh it's a little that sounds reasonable yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it does give you a little bit more of a picture of of her and her life that, but uh, musically, I it's I don't like it. <laughs> it's very jarring. 
It doesn't fit. I like the, um, you know, I, I, I really, really love the live versions of Tila and just hearing that kind of like weird part just threw me off. Did that throw you off completely when you first heard it? Yes. Yes. Uh, it definitely was the jewel of the foul domain of uh, this <laughs> album for me. <laughs> Did you, uh, like, yeah, I mean, I don't even know how to like frame this question. Like, was it, like, are, are you are you a fan of Tila in general as a song, like as no, a live song? Even not really. Interesting. I mean, I don't okay, dislike I am, it, but so. it's yeah, yeah. I know you're a big fan. It's not my favorite song in the world. I'd still like to see it. You know, I'm just saying. I'd still like to see it. <laughs> um, but oh, you got a shot. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we'll see. You know how this goes. Um, <laughs> I'll probably get that, but then they'll play Sand on the third night when I'm not there. So, <laughs> um, the uh. Yeah, it just is. It was really a shock, and uh, so for me to already be like, eh, and then that happened. And it's funny too, though, because I I actually like the um the story in Tila a lot. I think that like the lyrics to the song are really fun, but um, yeah, yeah. But not the, even uh, the even the normal part, even the like actual regular part they didn't cut out is not your bag musically. Uh, not inherently, but um, obviously it's a great showcase for Leo, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'll have some things to say about him. Yes. on this song yeah, when we get to the I actual bet. show. For when sure, when we get to the show, yeah, yeah. some um, innuendos. You know, yeah, you know, it's it's the 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 little like jazzy weird middle section. It's funny that actually does more so than a lot of the stuff on the tape. Actually, there's one song we'll get to, but the, um reminds me of like what it's like hearing them in that time period like that like real early like you know 86 87 range because they were still a very sort of like jazzy bar band you know they would do like swing low sweet chariot you know and like a <laughs> like that kind of style and uh so it makes sense that that's on the tape but it just it's uh yeah it's in the middle of tila it's like i i remember like i was playing it on like a my phone i was like doing something i was like oh i must have pressed a button on my phone and it skipped something i was like no that's actually the song that's like on the tape so pretty interesting i mean i find it interesting anyhow <laughs> which is the way this whole episode is uh <laughs> So so we go from there. So now he's like, that's like his, I guess, like in, obviously internal monologue is just being like falling in love with this woman, a lullaby, the wheezes, breezes whisper. And then uh, Tila and him uh, go off into the forest. And this is like where it gets, um, the story just is, uh, it's just very dark, you know, <laughs> just a very dark tale, really. Um he she begins to explain to him about uh, Wilson and the helping friendly book and uh and she tells the uh she tells him of the whole um that the leader of the revolution is named Aaron Wolf and uh he he's out to avenge the death of his son Roger Roger so Roger's his son I didn't even really realize that until I was into this the last time um <laughs> Roger uh had been executed by Wilson at the age of 14 on suspicion of treason um and had been abducted from his home and hung in the public square. So they go on well. this ride, uh, and this definitely needs to be mentioned that uh, 
they this riot is scored with a um a musical section that as far as i as far as i can tell is not uh in any sort of live performance or is even really ever brought up and it's the it's a uh, very <laughs> um bizarre <laughs> it's a very bizarre um section it's kind of uh, the only way i can describe it is like it feels like a mixture of like zappa uh, combined with like a little robert fripp like this kind of like yeah. very it's clearly it's not a jam right it's clearly a very very written out composed thing but it's uh it's just it's just really really strange and, and dissonant. It's definitely one of the moments listening to the tape. I was like, even though you know it's not like musically one of my favorite things I've ever heard them do or anything like that. It was I was really happy to hear it because I just a completely forgotten about it. But b it it really shows you uh, um a kind of a totally different direction that the band could have kind of gone in. This whole tape does in a way, right? I mean, the whole band could have ended up being right. this type of thing where they become almost like. I, like I don't know, like Muse or something, where it's like this whole, you know, this or Coheed and Cambria, like this whole like conceptual universe and these weird instrumental passages and all this stuff. And uh, it's just it's just crazy to it's crazy to hear. This was one of uh, the most interesting, if not if not musically best, but most interesting things to hear on the table. What did you think about this whole, uh, he gets on the back with Tila and they start riding. What do you think about that whole thing? Um, I thought it was cool. Uh, mostly though, I thought it was really interesting to hear it. Like, um, you know, like you were saying about kind of forgetting, not forgetting about it existing, which I also did, but like hearing the game Henge songs out of context so many times, you kind of do forget that there's a whole story happening behind all of them. Yeah. And uh it's just cool hearing like that part of it being like, oh yeah, there's the reason. Like there's that's these things are happening and it's a concept well, so, album. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about this. I was gonna ask you about this at the end, but I think maybe now's the best time. Um because I can't tell I can't gauge right now how uh how into it you are. <laughs> Cause I was gonna say you're pretty like much more so than I am like a you know like a fan of like like fantasy like uh, a, a song of ice and fire like this kind of like conceptual universe stuff and i'm not comparing this to that necessarily um <laughs> well it has a better ending well <laughs> zing you know george rr R. martin is a is a deadhead so i mean is there's something gotta be some connective tissue no but i mean um you would say like uh like as somebody who's a fan of kind of larger conceptual universe stuff are you are you interested in Game Henge in this way? Like, were you were you interested in the tape in this way, or were you kind of like, let's just get to the show? Um, well, I definitely have. Um, like going in was super. You know, I love, like you said, I love fantasy and concept stuff in general. But I think with this one, it's a little less. Not. It's not that I don't but uh, a lot of times the fantasy stuff and sci-fi stuff i get into i do so because there's like a 
crap load of lore behind it and you just get to keep reading about all these things um which would be sick if there was you know i don't know if there is on the forum but just like full-on backstories for all the different characters and things that are happening in other parts of the realm at the same time going on uh that the story is going on and stuff which obviously you do get bits and pieces of but um yeah if there was if there was more lore to like really dig into i would be even more like it would it would be something that would really suck me in. and i know especially when we were first getting into them and i discovered that that was a thing that existed i was like really pumped up for that uh aspect of it but there's um it's since it's just the one-off thing it's kind of it's like exciting but also it's a little slight underwhelming little, right yeah yeah it's funny because that's i think that's true i <laughs> Uh, when i when i listen to uh, we'll get to the whole we'll get we'll finish the whole day but uh like it's 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 almost one of those and granted again it was like one thing that always should be mentioned it was literally his college thesis like it's like (laughs) it's kind of it's kind of like amazing for a college thesis but as a actual like fantasy story i'm sure this would not you know get greenlit by (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) The Marvel or what is cinematic universe that would like be so good though. movie series. Well, of course there was. You know, we didn't even mention the, the, this. There's stuff that we just are not going to be able to get to because there's a Thor, Lizards, to, to and Thunder. But the whole there's the whole Gamehenge CD-ROM concept that there was always this like there was this rumor that oh yeah it's it's you know trade they're not playing it live because trade's making going to make it this video game, which when you, <laughs> which you know, uh, in a way, and this ties into my thoughts about it overall is like like exactly what you were saying we're coming at it from a uh like old you know just listening to tapes and listening to fish shows perspective whenever i'd heard like you know the chris theater game hinge or the game Boys show that we're gonna do like it always seemed like oh that was great it's so fun it's so cool but i had never really looked at it like a full-on like story and then when i think i heard the tapes i was like there's more to this than i remember but now that i'm now that I have like sort of both knowledge it's almost like it could have gone one way or the other like you're saying like he could have either gone I think one of the best, like, fish.net, I wish I could credit this person, there's no way I could find it, forum things I ever saw was somebody being like, what I don't get about GameHenge is why doesn't he just keep expanding it? Like, why isn't, like, Diego from Fuego, like, he should just be in GameHenge, and then we just keep going, you know? (laughs) Like, just keep, like, it's almost like it needs more or less, and when we get to the show itself, I think he, he does, there's a lot less of the story part, in a way, and that works a little better, I think. Right. Not to mention the fact that they're a 1994 band and not a 1987 band. But, um, I on the other hand, I guess I'll, that's all like the negative part. On the other hand, though, th- there being more than I remembered was a lot of fun. And this was the kind of thing that I just like personally, I find this a lot of fun to listen to because I'm like, this is so weird. Like, I forgot there's like a jam, not even a jam, a composition of like Tila and Forbin riding through the forest that just lost a time. You know what I mean? They don't play it live. I don't know. I'm sure Trey doesn't even remember he wrote it, right. <laughs> to be honest. The, um, or none of them probably even remember playing it. I'm, I, I doubt they even really remember playing on this tape at all. So that, I'm, I'm like, it's like, intellectually, I love it, and it's very interesting. And then in practice, I'm like, this is a little slight. <laughs> he could have either added more or done less. But so after the weird uh instrumental passage so uh forbin and tila show up and they, they are do it 
Oh, wait. No, never mind. Sorry. That doesn't... <laughs> unconsummated. That, that uh, Tila explains to Forbin that they are now... They, they show up at the base of the revolutionaries. Um, and they're at like this little clearing and there's like a fire and there's people whatever, and there's uh and and Aaron Wolf is there and this is the first time he sees Aaron Wolf he was a small man but his presence was overpowering he seemed to emit a kind of violent energy that sent chills down the colonel's spine and as the multi beast moved towards him he raised his fists in anger and he sings Wilson okay so now we're at the song Wilson um yeah, I mean, this uh, obviously it's it's again, yeah, we've heard these things so many times like in concert that it, it changes yeah, the perspective. But one of the things I didn't bring up before that is interesting about the tape is like listening to the lizards as an opening track is weird because we expect it at the end of a show. <laughs> and something like Wilson is kind of the same thing where it's like in the Wilson's kind of the middle or beginning middle of the story. But we, you know, in the show you get it earlier on, but um you know wilson's pretty i mean it's very slow you know uh the tempos are very deliberate on the tape they're still doing things that kind of the the bob weir (laughs) preferred tempo um you know i didn't um i I didn't have a ton on on wilson the one thing was that the slightly different lyrics that i talked to my son roger rutherford the brave is yes. in there where that became I talked to Mike Christian Raj and Pete the same when they played it live pretty much the same arrangement somehow the you still have fun thing uh, it hits a little harder <laughs> I feel right like it's not as goofy it seems a little more sinister the whole tape to be honest like it's um it's not a it's not a fun ride narratively <laughs> it's a pretty dark story <laughs> there's a lot of death there's a lot of like yeah, it's a pretty maudlin, you know, uh, a tape in a way. Did you feel that? Am I crazy? Like, um, uh, yeah, definitely gives off that vibe of the. Because uh, when people are like Game Henge, yeah. like Game Henge, like it's fun, like you're at a show and somebody's wearing a Game Henge shirt, and it's it's like it's pretty weird. It's weird <laughs> and dark, and it's kind of scary, and like that. Pretty much after Wilson ends, it's like, in it then it it goes right into the sort of ACDC bag thing in the in the town square in Prussia the revolution was taking a turn for the worse and there was these people by the way this is a slightly different in the show uh that that this is explained slightly differently in the show but anyway that did you know uh and i think there's an explanation as to why when we get to the show i'm going to explain well i think what he's trying to do in part, not only just shortening <laughs> the story obviously because it's a live audience but he's changing the perspective where it's not this, um, this is like a very omniscient narrator, like in the square and pressure of the state of, whereas he kind of goes to the first person narrative in the show where it's all like your Colonel Forbin kind of going through the thing with him. Uh, so yeah, you know, I mean, for, you know, to summarize the story and if you don't know the story, you got, I mean, you have to hear the tape and you have to hear the read show. The I, we can't do it all for you. Read the fucking book. Um, uh, Mr. Palmer is uh, the accountant of Wilson. Turns out he's been funneling money to the revolutionaries. Wilson catches on, and uh, which we, uh, for reasons for reasons we will find out. Uh, and uh, uh, he is about to be hanged by the ACDC bag. We launch into the song "ACDC Bag" by Fish. Um, uh, you know, I big fan of big fan of this um again sort of the funny thing with the uh set list thing where you're used to it becoming earlier in the shows and so like halfway, right you know halfway through like thing is like oh yeah right this is part of the story um 
Yeah, any extraneous uh, ACDC bag thoughts on, about the tape version? I, I don't no, think. I, um, I, I liked it. It's yeah. uh, you know, it's pretty standard though. It's nothing like super different or anything. No but jam at all. Uh, like it just yeah, it play, they play it and it ends. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's just over, pretty cool but. that it hasn't changed in so long and it's still good. So I like that about it. What what is, I wrote down? What the fuck is Trey's accent? Is he doing like an accent? Because even for his old like the eighties voice, this is like a real weird. Like he's singing this in such a weird way. Also, the thing that I love about this, I kind of when we were doing like our little does this count as a game hinge song thing? Like I know for a fact, and it, you know it's been written that he had a like this. He bought this thing called the Book of Clichés. <laughs> and that's like right. where all the lyrics come from so it's like when you get to the time to put your money where your mouth is put them in a field let them fight it out and run so fast they're literally all things he just found in this book let's get the show on the road i'll show you mine if you show me yours and they're all like this these cliches so i think it's on the one hand i think it's funny because again it's a college thesis so i'm i'm assuming he's a little bit like yeah, I gotta bang out the second verse somehow, and now it's like you know, but how as a what a <laughs> pushing sixty-year-old man, he still has to sing these. That's a primary lyrics. source right there. <laughs> exactly, I can just imagine because he's like, maybe I should have written a real second verse to this, you know, uh, 40, <laughs> 35 years ago, and then I wouldn't have to sing this anymore. Um, but it's a, it's kind of great because. This song is from, it's being sung from the perspective of Wilson, which is great, I think. Um, I guess the first part is Mr. Palmer's concerned with the $1,000 question, but then it's, it, then it's uh, I've got the time, you got the chair palm. You know, it's it's him talking, and what I was thinking is that uh, <laughs> if, if, if you take out the whole fact that it's definitely written out of a book of cliches, and you just go like, um, you just kind of look at it and you're like, like this is actually Wilson talking. It's kind of like uh, it, shades of uh, President Camacho Mountain Dew from uh, <laughs> Idiocracy, where it's just like he's just like him giving a speech. Can you just imagine like a guy giving a speech and he just starts saying stuff like, you know, time to put your money where your mouth is, put him in a field. Let it, you're like, yeah, just it's an episode of Hard Knocks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeff Ulbrich took a lot of inspiration exactly. from Wilson. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, he's going to be head coaching a team next year, and he'll just be One like, "Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get the show on the road, boys." Exactly. And he'll be like, "Oh man, this guy. I don't know about this guy." Future um, Chargers head coach. Future <laughs> Chargers head coach Jeffrey Jeffrey Oldbrick, friend of the pod. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, it's really something. I mean, it's uh, I, I thought that it was funny though that uh, you know, <laughs> like I never actually listened to ACDC back and thought about it like. If this was a speech somebody gave, it would be like the stupidest speech ever. Because <laughs> even it starts out with the, you know, like, cheer up, Palmy, you'll soon be dead. That's a pretty good villain line. But then it's just like, I would be near you if I wouldn't be far from you. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a feeling you know what you, like, it just feels a little, I guess that's not, you got a feeling you know what you, that's pretty villainy. I could see like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where somebody's like, I got a feeling you know what you did, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, any extraneous ACDC bag thoughts? Um, just that. The just like Roger, he's a crazy little crazy little kid is slightly more ominous in context than it is out of context. Oh yeah, no, I, and kind of all of it is right. I mean, it's all right. sort of like more serious than it plays out <laughs> when you hear these shows. Um, again, I don't know. I I get the sense I had more of a f- more fun listening to the tape than you did, but 
I I find it fun because it's just sort of like it's a whole other thing that they could have been and really sort of even though I'm saying I'd like them to expand the universe it's like something that's more fun uh, yeah. to know that I'd... they did it at this time so Trey got suspended from school and he came back and obviously this is years before this happened but um, there was a thing where Mike was very adamant that they do covers because Trey was very into this like no we're just going to do like originals and <laughs> I do think there's a version of a band that is not what Fish became and I'd be honestly pretty surprised if they still existed at in you know 2023 where it was all sort of just Trey dictating everything and kind of running everything and I right. don't think that um yeah I just I just don't think that um that band would have would have uh, I'd be super interested <laughs> to know you know what happened and what they put out and but I don't think that that could have succeeded especially obviously with the with the live context which became their whole thing um but yeah no I agree with you it's uh it's like it's it it I don't know I I feel like I hear these songs slightly differently now than than I did before listening to the tape because it really is like a pretty dark <laughs> and serious story and <laughs> when we get to the end I want to ask you what do you, what do you, what I think um you think of it overall but um the next narration part is by far the most important part of the story uh so um Palmer's you know there's news of Palmer's death that's shown up in the revolutionary camp um he uh For- Forbin goes into Tila's like hut and uh she sits behind a makeshift desk in the center of a room that was littered with small cages containing spotted stripers a tiny three-legged breed of animal um he uh the colonel goes to Tila and says I needed to come here tonight to tell you that I've fallen in love with you. By the way, this all has happened in one day, as far as we know, right? It all, <laughs> it says later, like, uh, Forbin's like, um, you know, even though he's only been there one day, he's really have a hatred for Wilson. It's like, wow, he, the, he fell in love and, like, tried to free a people, and it was all in one day. Like, he, for a retired army, army colonel, he's got a lot of energy, you know? I mean, he's really, like, He's got he's blood really flowing, man, and he, yeah, old old man, he's only got <laughs> blood enough to power some things at a time, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Tila gave him a yeah, gave him a little kick in the pants there. A little bit of um, a distraction. So Tila's sitting around, she's got these spotted stripers, and he's like, I've come here tonight to tell you that I've fallen in love with you. He looks to her eyes for approval, but her face remained frozen in an expressionless stare. And she says, Gosh. Eyes up here, eyes up here. <laughs> An awkward blanket of silence fell over the room and hung for a long moment before being shattered by the sound of a door swinging violently open. That just gives you a sense of like the kind of thing he talks about. In the, so Rutherford the Brave busts in, grabs Tila, grabs the unit monster, chokes them out in front of, in front of so he didn't get an answer on the I love you thing. <laughs> that that didn't go over well. Man, I've had, I've had rejections, but it was never that bad. Um, it wasn't Dominic bad, so he's got that going for him. <laughs> It was, you know, it was not ideal, though. It was not great. Um, well, there, there's that idea, then. <laughs> they struggle. Uh, they tried to break free, but uh, Rutherford is just too powerful. Rutherford, very powerful, not smart, obviously. Works he out. sinks to the bottom of a river, but he's very powerful. Um, their bodies fell to the floor in a lifeless heap. This is what I'm talking about. Like, if you did that in the middle of a fish show, I think people would really, people on a certain amount of candy would be like, what, what's happening? <laughs> it's pretty dark. <laughs> um, and uh, so this is in- important detail, I think. Um, 
Colonel Forbin stepped forward from where he stood and uh, was unable to contain his confusion and screamed, why? His question was answered by Aaron Wolf. Hmm, interesting. His question was answered by Aaron Wolf, not Rutherford, who, just a, who had quietly slipped through the doorway during the confusion. She was a spy, he said, and explained to Forbin that she had been sending information to Wilson using the spotted stripers as characters. Okay, I'll just throw this out there. Didn't remember the spotted striper part at all. I knew that Tila was a spy, but I, that's all I remembered. Um, again, if you, Trey, expand the universe, baby. There's a spotted stripers instrumental song <laughs> out there. Like, let's just do it. You write like 100 songs a day. Um, I like it. This is super, I mean, this whole part is really interesting and totally, I think, ignored in the whatever, even among hardcore Fitch fans. Like, um, it said, uh, Roger's death had aroused his suspicion regarding Tila being a spy. This is Aaron Wolf. And, and Palmer's had definitely confirmed it. The colonel stood in silence in a world that had turned upside down so many times that he had no longer knew which way was up. It all seemed so simple when he first arrived, good versus evil. And of course, he had always sided with good as he had done his whole life. Interesting. And now he stood and stared into the eyes of Aaron Wolf, and he saw evil. He's already oh, seen Oh, shit. The entire picture began to seem like an enormous puzzle with one piece missing, and the colonel knew what that piece was. Within 24 hours, he said to Aaron Wolf, you will have the helping friendly book. And even as the words were leaving his lips, he found himself running out the door and into the forest, not towards Prussia, but toward the mountain in the distance. And we kick into Colonel Forbin's ascent. Nice. So, uh, so it's Forbin's and a Mockingbird, obviously, if you're a fish fan and live fan of the band, you understand um, that these songs are always paired together. There's a lot of interesting things in the story there, though. I'm interested in the fact that, like, Forbin already sees the evil in Aaron Wolf prior to going to the mountain. Um, and there's something you can read in conceptually about what he's trying to say there. But uh, this is the kind of thing that I was surprised about with the table. I don't know. What did you did you have any reaction to this part? Uh, just sadness for Forbin. You know, he got honey potted pretty hard. And, uh, it's a, it's a tough. tough beat. I mean, it's not a good story for it's him rough. in general, but it's just a tough beat. Um, we haven't talked about the actual uh, like thesis statement itself that you can still find like the PDF copy of, but uh, you know, Trey basically lays out uh, that Forbin is the most naive character in the story, <laughs> and <laughs> it's definitely idiot. true. Though I feel bad for him because he is sort of trying as hard as he can to to kind of get to the the bottom of this and it's just it's just it's just not panning out you know he's he's uh he's like i fell in love i'm in this new land this is great and it's like it's it's a lot of problems you know right away um by the way all of the uh narration i'm pulling is from uh, a very helpful website uh called gamehenge.org that i would highly recommend if you'd like to sort of uh to to see the narration and uh, uh, it was, seems like it's just put together by somebody who uh, is a, is a hobbyist and they're a friend, officially a friend of the pod. So um, welcome to the fold. So yeah. <laughs> so, so the song itself, uh, Forbin's mockingbird is um, he, him going up to Iculus and uh, being able to say, I need the helping friendly book. We need to bring these, bring this back down to the people. Um, and, then the Iculus sends the Mockingbird to send the Helping Friendly Book back to the back to the people of Gamehenge. Um, the the I mean the performance of the song uh, itself on the tape of Forbins is by far the most different version of the song than the live version. You know it's funny because I looked at the Trey 
you know, the PDF of his actual thesis. And he talked about like uh, it being sort of, uh, I guess he took a trip to Ireland around this time and was uh, inspired by like Irish uh, music and bars and stuff. And uh, I was like, oh, that's weird. I never really picked up on that with Forbins, you know? And then when I heard the actual tape version, I was like, wow, this is a completely different version of this. Wiped away the beads of sweat that glistened on his brow. His tired feet were buried in the quagmire. And his bloodshot eyes saw all that lay between him and fulfillment of his vow. And he felt his fingers wrap around a knotted root. That kind of bouncy still seems kind of more jazzy to me than like folk Irishy, but I guess I can kind of get where he's coming from with the spoke so slowly like that thing. Um uh i gotta say i love the live versions of forbins and mockingbirds so much and when we get to the tape holy moly but um <laughs> i this was just too far this sounds like it just sounds like a demo the forbins version especially right. um and nothing it's surprising that like put it this way i kind of thought the way forbins sounded on the tape was the way all the songs were going to have sound and i was pretty pleasantly surprised that outside of this and the weird tila <laughs> the weird Tila thing um, is pretty faithful to the versions that they would do live. But I was just not a fan musically of what this Forbins was, especially knowing where it ends up. And, and, you know, kudos to him and them as a band for like turning that into an awesome live song, you know, <laughs> um, right in a way where this version is not, would not be an awesome. It'd be okay. <laughs> but it just like, it's pretty it's pretty mid as the kids would say um so i uh i yeah i mean the mockingbird is fine uh it's pretty much kind of the same obviously it's slower it's a different, ver- different right. thing but um it, it, the mockingbird actually it's funny that hearing it at that tempo and that whatever again it fits more in with the swing low sweet chariot <laughs> like jazzy version than <laughs> when they play it live where it just becomes this all out like fast crazy thing but it's really not it's literally the same notes, you know, just played at a slower tempo with different instruments. So what are your thoughts on uh, Forbins uh, and uh, Mockingbird? Dan? Forbins, um, like you said, a little bit different. Mockingbird <laughs> was uh, nice, though. I felt like that was really nice. I always like when that song comes on, though, especially knowing it's coming. And I don't know. It's a good palate cleanser. It always has felt that way. And this one did not seem like an exception. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's 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 fun. Um, I, I it's one of those songs that they've done a really good job at. Like, it sounds good in the '80s, and then it sounds good in the '90s, and, and like they can kind of just keep updating it uh, in a way that that works. Um, yeah, it was it's fun. It's, the Forbins and Mockingbird are definitely the two. I think they were the 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 re, like the he does a good job. I, I'll say of the narration, like. You know, the if you're doing a concept album, technically, I guess the less narration you do, the more it's succeeding, right? If you can explain in the actual songs the story that's happening, right? Forbins is really great at that. Like, I just, I, I love that. You know, um, when the dust had cleared, the colonel lifted up his head and was driven to his knees by blink. Like, it, it, you do, it does follow the story as opposed to something like ACDC bag, where it seems like he's kind of padding it out by like writing this goofy song and then being like, no, that's part of the story though. You know what I mean? Um, right. 
uh, like ad hoc after the after the fact being like no 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 this Kong's part of the story or this part of the story like this is definitely part of the story like there's no way you could look at the lyrics to uh, Forbin and be like what's he talking about like what's this about is this about his his wife you know, like it's me Colonel Forbin I know where you've come here and I'll be gaining the knowledge so one of the best fish lyrics of all time. I warn you that all knowledge seeming innocent and pure becomes a deadly weapon in the hands of avarice and greed. Oh. So it's just when people are like, they don't write any lyrics that make any sense. I'm like, just drop that bad boy on them. Shut them up. Uh, good <laughs> shit. You get that's There's there's only two times in fish songs that Iculus is the one speaking. So yeah, it's uh, not a fan of the musical part of, of Forbin so much, but it's uh yeah, I again I'm at this point I'm just like I'm just in and and, and I kinda like the lead up to that being like he's unsure about Aaron's like he, he comes in you know, because you think he comes into this life it's all one day, right? He comes in, he's like right. this all this there's this revolution, there's this evil Wilson guy and then I fall in love with this woman and now she gets killed because she's a revolutionary. <laughs> And like he's all <laughs> conflicted, and that makes that kind of drives the sort of well, fuck it, I'll just go get the helping friendly book, and that makes more sense, you know. Than... Yeah, it's it's funny too because it's like the opposite of a like a Hollywood esque type script where yeah. instead of there being like a climax to build up to something, there is like a semi climax, and then the main character just goes, "Fuck it, like I'm done with this." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or that he would see. He says that he saw Aaron Wolf, the evil in his eyes. And if it were a Hollywood movie, it'd be like, that would be the turn. And then he would say like, he would go to Wilson. Right. And be like, right. But instead it's like, I, I mean, I want to get through the whole thing. And I just want to ask you like overall questions. Cause I think after hearing the tape, my interpretation of what he's getting at is actually slightly different than I thought that it was before. So, okay. <laughs> right. We're, we're all caught up here. I'm doing what Trey does in the show. Does everybody know what's going on? Okay. So, he he's run he he goes up the mountain he talks to Icarus Icarus is like I can give you the book if if you want his book I'll give you the helping friendly book but I'm going to warn you that you know once you have this it's it's going to fall into the weapons of of avarice and greed and it's going to and he's like no so they the next morning Aaron Wolf and Rutherford stood frozen in awe as the mockingbird flew out of the sky and laid the book at their feet I like some of the details here <laughs> The shock wore off quickly, though. Aaron Wolf shot in a high gear. He snatched up the book with one hand and the famous Mockingbird with the other and began to inform Rutherford of his plan. He would first kill Wilson and then put the Helping Friendly book to work for him. Wow. Ho! Oh. <laughs> with Rutherford's aid. Interesting detail. With Rutherford's aid, he fastened the fa- famous Mockingbird to a pole with glue and rubber bands. <laughs> he tied the famous <laughs> Mockingbird with glue and rubber bands to, to insecure or sorry, to ensure the secrecy of his mission and then set out to find the only man in Game Hench who could kill a king, bring in the sloth. Yeah. So sloth comes in next. <laughs> sloth is one of those ones I always forget is part of Game Hench. Do you always forget right. that? Because I always forget it. Yes. Yeah. It's just such a kick-ass like, early fish song. Pretty much exactly the same on the tape. It's slower. I mean, everything's slower. But that's one that they just had down. Just good shit. I don't know. Any so- thoughts about Sloth other than that? <laughs> no, just great song. Just song that I always love. Easy they to don't forget do the that Uno it's dos part tres, of it. They don't do that part, but other than that, it's the same. Uh, right. What were you going to say? Sorry, it's one that you, you love. You're, you're into. Oh, no, yeah, just that. It's one that I enjoy in general. It's, it's uh, 
it's yeah it's funny like you said the shift of the way that you listen to the songs by that point the time by the time this one gets there you're already you you know when i hear the sloth live i'm like oh sick you know it's the sloth the heavy banger gets you fired up and then you hear it in this one you're like ooh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know what's okay we're all all, we're almost at the end so let me just finish it I'm just going to read this past part, the last part. Colonel Forbin stared yeah. at the 14 bars that stood at the end of the cell. 14 bars. Remember that um, Roger was killed when he was 14 years old? That's interesting. Hey, hey. He ran his hand across the cold, damp dungeon wall and thought again about the door. He had traveled through the door out of necessity. Once he knew it existed, he couldn't leave it alone, just like Wilson, just like Tila, just like Aaron Wolf. And he sat in the dungeon, and he realized that he was back again through the door. And through the tiny window in the corner of his cell, he heard the distant strains. Errant. Errant. <laughs> and then from atop of the mountain, Iculus looked down on all that went on below. And he smiled. Hey. Yes. Then then Possum kicks in. So then it's Possum. So technically, there's only two times Iculus ever talks in a song, and this is one of them. I come from top of the mountain where the people come to pray. There ain't no truth in action unless you believe it in any way. Um, <laughs> possum, 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 oh, possum. <laughs> and then the last thing we hear is possum, your end is the road. And that's it. That's the game hinge tape. That's, that's. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot to, there's a lot to get into, even though we've already gotten into a lot. Um, okay. First, uh, uh, what, what do you make of the, um, Iculus smiling at the end of all that. What, what do you what do you think he's up to there? Um, I don't think he's up to anything so much as he's acknowledging the cyclical patterns of uh of he of lizarddom, and uh, you know, like he said, he had the book because someone gets the book and they can mess with the status quo, and that's not good. And so he sees it happening again, and he smiles, probably more to himself than, like, at the situation. That's my take. Oh, so you think that Iculus is coming from a, oh, I actually screwed up, I shouldn't have given them the book kind of mentality? Is that the Um, idea? More of like a, yep, thought that was going to happen type of mentality. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, okay, yeah. I think we're, yeah, similar- Similar wavelength. Um, I mean, yeah. My my overall interpretation of this story. I mean, it's obviously a very like negative uh, interpretation of humans and society. That there's this very like um, that there's there's this kind of this craven nature nature that people have that as as soon as like there is power available, they will immediately sort of exploit that and understand that. Right. The reason I I brought up at the beginning that it. it particularly interesting to me he called it the man who stepped into yesterday is because i think he's sort of trying to explain this concept through the idea of like these are just the tropes of people that have always existed right you have this like um wants to do well always chooses on the side of good army colonel guy but in the in you know in in service of doing well he's always going to be like beholden to whatever he believes is right so you know at first he's serving you know this errand wolf who he believes to be this kind of you know beacon of goodness or whatever in the world and of course he ends up 
paying the price for that ultimately by being locked in this dungeon that he and you know that kind of thing you have somebody a character like rutherford to me uh i I don't want to be whatever about it but like it seems like he almost is sort of this character whose whole thing is like he doesn't he's the sort of brute force doesn't have any sort of brains he's the (laughs) muscle like just the goon he's the muscle he doesn't really have and and the fact that he calls him rutherford the brave and it's like he calls him like he's like at one point he's like brave rutherford you know in the lizards he's like rutherford brave rutherford (laughs) was alive but then we don't see Rutherford ever do anything brave at all <laughs> through the whole stuff. Literally, right. he does nothing brave whatsoever. Like, even killing Tila and the unit monster is very much like he's following Aaron's advice. So, I don't want to be whatever about it, but it seems like he's kind of like a stand in for like soldiers where they're sort of like we're following advice, but we, you know, um, it, oh, they're so, it's so brave, but he's really just sort of following things. Again, this is Trey's interpretation of the world in 1987. Um, and, you know, Tila is uh, easily the least likable character in the entire story. I mean, even, even if Rutherford's like, not great he's like at least just like just kind of going along his way you know his path and um even Aaron wolf like isn't great he becomes villainous but at least he sort of stands for something (laughs) and he sort of believes in something um tila is the least likable character in the whole story i mean she's like i guess outside of being beautiful she has no good qualities like she's a spy she treats things wrong I, i think i mentioned this to you um that uh there's a there's a great story I heard that um, David Steinberg uh, was standing outside of the there's the famous the 1994 bomb factory gig that became one of the live fish releases that he apparently was standing outside of that gig handing out flyers saying that he b- didn't believe that Tila was a spy. <laughs> this is a conspiracy <laughs> theory he has. And when I heard that, I was like, that's so funny. Like, I love the idea of there being not only the Gamehenge saga, but like a conspiracy. Now when I'm through it, I'm like, I think he might be right though. Cause right. Cause like, right. we never, we don't know any of that. Info- like Aaron Wolf just shows up and it's like, Oh, that's a spy. And Rutherford kills him because a- Aaron tells him to that's fucking bs we don't know right we don't know yep it's she's yeah it's a real and, and snowball it's like, in napoleon situation yeah it's, it's you know trey does a lot of interviews these days and he talks all about whatever else we need the real information trey what <laughs> you're the one responsible for this i've become like the thing i hate when like people are like the creators need to respond to this. And they're like, you I wrote a book me. 10 years ago. Like that's, that's just why <laughs> that was enough trouble. You figured the fuck out. Uh, uh, what do you think Dan was Tila spy? Yeah. Or not? <laughs> uh, mm, I don't know. I'd have to see how hot she was. Well, it's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And he's 52. So yeah, uh, that yeah. army ex army colonel, I don't know if we're going to have this. I don't know. Taste, you've you've you seen know? Full Metal Jacket, though, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to look at the drill sergeant's wife. Colonel, there should, I wish there was Colonel Forbin was in the same thing as like Private Pile from. <laughs> just like if there's a character named Forbin, like Bob Forbin <laughs> or something. We don't know his first name, right? We never know who. We never, he's just Colonel Forbin. We don't know. Maybe his first name is Colonel. Colonel. Colonel, Colonel for <laughs> right. It's like major, minor, Ma- major, major, um, major, major. But yeah, okay. So um, I think we agree. 
overall. I, okay, actually, let me phrase it as a question. There either needs to be more or less, right? And when we get to the show, it's less, which might be the right amount. But I don't know. I'm, 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 I love it. <laughs> I love that. Like I had totally not remembered at all that whole part where, you know, uh, Rutherford kills like like that line with you know he tied the uh, famous mockingbird with glue and rubber bands. <laughs> like I had totally forgotten that was like in the story. I just thought that was like a throwaway. Um, by the way, I didn't mention that McGrupp. Um, so th- uh, the the sloth was actually a character from a previously written song cycle <laughs> uh, <laughs> entitled Farley Warp uh, that. Uh, Tom Marshall had sent him, and I think I think that McGrupp was part of that or something. And so Trey, but or, or McGrupp may have been a standalone thing, but I, I think definitely the sloth was from a previously. The sloth was a recycle. He was already in the uh, the TMU, the Tom Marshall universe, you know, and just had kind of been repurposed for the for the for this. Um, but I think we touched on a lot of these themes, so I'll just breeze through it. But like, um, totally. Uh, I, I had a ton of fun listening to this and studying for it and being interested in it. And um, yeah, it's it's both A, it's not your go-to fish listen, but also B, it, it, this is, we're talking about something that has a lot of significance in the fish universe, this tape, you know? Uh, right. And, and, and we've, how many times on the podcast have we talked about like, well, this is a, the Gamehenge song, this is a ga- of the Gamehenge saga, da-da-da-da-da. And then you go back and listen to it. You're like, this is weird. This is dark. <laughs> this is really sad. Like he, I think he's trying to, I mean, he's, he's definitely doing the full on like, um, oh, uh, you know, society, nothing changes, you know, greed. Once you introduce greed, it, it, like he's doing a very college brained, like, not that I'm a lot less cynical now, but that <laughs> I, I, I feel that very like college like, um, Ah, fuck everything like it's it's a sucks kind of thing but it's done in this way that's like pretty nuanced i mentioned like the 14 the 14 bars in his cell in the 14 years i'm like ah that's an interesting little parallel like he he did give a he for a college thesis he really gave a lot of a shit about this uh coming (laughs) together and when you read the thing too he's he's pretty you know i mean he's 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 very into it like he i i do think he actually he he cares in a way that's 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 a, a little bit different so from your overall perspective like we already talked about the songs changing a little bit and but did you did you feel like there was a sort of um i don't know was it like too was this too cynical and weird for you sort of or um no i i like the message in general uh it's definitely you know a college mind for sure but i think that actually makes it a little bit better because there is a certain amount of beauty in that cynicism in a way where you can kind of like smile at that past um those like that past thinking like i'm sure trey does now still you know like smiles at his cynicism then and um you know i think that it's really cohesive uh there's loose ends in the in a way of like not going into depth about certain things or like, you know, having like an, a more expanded universe. But as far as like the straightforward story goes, it's pretty cohesive. And um, 
impressive, I think. Sonically, obviously, the tape is not the best. Uh, you know, the bass seemed to be turned up a little bit too much in a couple of the songs. But um, yeah, as far as like a concept and a performance and like having that skill at that age goes, it's really cool to hear. My <laughs> my my thing about this is like he uh, like fish to me like live fish music is like so fun. It's just so fun. Like they're having fun. It's a fun <laughs> style of music. Like even these songs are really fun as songs, and it's so interesting to go back and listen to this tape. And it's like, like how do I say this the best way? It's like this tape's a drag, but not because it's like not fun <laughs> to listen to, but because it's the story is really hard to get through in a way. And like that part where like he's riding around and she's like Tila's describing like. Oh yeah, there was all these executions, and there's it, it's like it is like, I mean, it's not Game of Thrones level, you know, complexity in terms of the storyline and the character, but it's like it's that level of like dark, you know, where people are getting right. killed and maimed, and you're like, <laughs> oh my god, and like to give you an example of like something like something from the tape, it's like um, here's something Trey writes in his uh, his thesis. Um, uh, he says, he says, uh, the American academic music world has been contending with serialism and other intellectually based music for some time now, and I am no exception. In this musical, I have an atonal fugue which wouldn't be possible if not for Schoenberg's emancipation of dissonance. But in the first place, the liz- but in this first piece, the lizards, I shoot for a completely accessible style of music. <laughs> I worked on this piece with somebody from Ireland where I spent the break between semesters when he was suspended. I Ireland, <laughs> no, I guess it's not true. <laughs> Um, Ireland's music had a profound impact on me. I spent a lot of time with a guitarist there who would go from pub to pub, night after night, singing and playing with the people. It was a different situation than I'd ever been in, and the ma- and the main goal of the musician was to bring people together. Everything about these, I like this, everything about this experience seemed more real and more important than all of the mental masturbation that I had put doing both my <laughs> composition and playing for the last few years. It was at this point that I started writing The Lizards. I mean, it gives you an in- indication of like, um, he's super interested in this kind of, you know, compositional Schoenberg, like this whole world. Um, but he's also interested in fun, right? <laughs> and he wants to be in a band that's having fun and, and listening to this tape. It's like, again, it's fun to listen to in a, like an academic sense, but it's not fun. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to get through. And I think we talk about, again, like we talk about on the show, go on any fish forum any day of the week and people will just bring up game henge like it's like candy you know like whatever like game henge you know game henge is great game henge is this and it's like after re-listening to it after and seeing those kind of things i'm like what's the last time you guys actually like popped it in <laughs> just gave it a gave it a spin because <laughs> it, it's a lot uh and i love it it's very interesting to hear it's interesting to hear the songs in this context um but it's a lot uh you know i think we uh i think we covered this this yeah it's it's not it's not an easy thing to cover it's just not um you gotta listen to the tape but i I, i'm really happy that we did we we had to do this at some point you know what i mean we've we've referenced game so much that i was like right let's just do the tape like we just gotta cover the tape did you feel (laughs) cut to the tape did you feel that like did you did you like cover did you like listening to it and covering it yeah yeah i thought it was fun it's different it's more canonical of the type of thing that i usually like to do on here but I, I 
I was like, we can't do Game Hoist and then be like, so anyway, uh, Game Hinge. Yeah, who cares? You know, <laughs> it just seems weird. Like It just seems like you're not getting there. Um, we're going to come back after a break. And then we are going to uh, briefly cover the album Hoist. And then uh, we'll be good to go for the show. So stay tuned for more 5 in. Mm-hmm. 